mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, The First 40 Days. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Here now, Pastor Moody. Amen. Stand with me this morning, if you would. We want to get right to the Word of God. Last week was Easter. And uh, can I say this? We're on our way to Pentecost. Pentecost, 50 days from Passover. We're heading that direction. But I want to deal this morning with uh, the fact that Jesus got up from the grave. And the Bible says something that I want to, I want to touch on this morning. Uh, can I say this? Easter was glorious. But how many knows it was not a grand finale? It was a beginning of a move of God that is still going today. Touch your neighbor and say, Jesus is still alive. Oh, just go and tell them the tomb is still empty. And he's at the right hand of the Father. And he's doing stuff for you right now, right now. Amen. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. Luke wrote this. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote it, both of them are books to a man by the name of Theophilus. He said, The former treatise, referring to the Gospel of Luke, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he, that he through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, and to whom he also showed himself alive after his passion, his suffering. Well, he was beaten. To whipping post. He was tried. He was pierced, bruised. Amen. Then he went to a cross and died. Showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait. Everybody say, wait. Tarry there, get equipped, get prepared. For the promise of the Father, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which saith he, you have heard of me. Now the Bible said that he was seen alive by them for 40 days. So from Passover when he was crucified, he rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And then for, from that moment, 40 days, he was seen alive. He showed himself alive. He, he, he wanted everybody to see him. Amen. The Bible said he was seen by the women and then by the apostles and then uh, by the men on the road to Emmaus and then he was seen alive by over 500 at one time. And Paul would later say he was one born out of season by me. And what he did was he instructed them. He taught them. I've, I've kind of wondered at times, you know, the Bible doesn't really say everything that he taught, but I would say it sort of went something like this. Now, you guys were with me. They were disciples. And here in the scripture, he called them now apostles foundation stones of the church. You were with me when I healed the sick. You were with me when I raised the dead. You saw me walk on water. You saw me do miracles. You know now that I'm out of the tomb. Jesus said stuff like this. I'm sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. But now to them, he says, but from here on, all bets are off. 
You're going to the world, not just to the nation of Israel, to the Jewish people, but I'm going to pour my spirit out upon all flesh and you're going to take this gospel to the entire world in every generation. And so for the first 40 days, he instructed and demonstrated them concerning the kingdom of God. I want to talk about after Easter, the first 40 days. The first 40 days. Father, thank you for the word of God. Anoint us and use us for your glory and we'll give you praise. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Uh, Just for an introduction, I want to read you a little paragraph that I found in some commentary. And on this phrase, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion, it says, that is, after his sufferings and death, for that he suffered many things, and at last death itself is certain from the acknowledgement of the Jews themselves who own it, that they put him to death on the Passover Eve. As well as the accounts of the evangelists, the apostles, and from the soldiers not breaking his legs when the rest that were crucified with him were broken because they testified he was already dead. And from his pericardium, which is that sack around the heart that holds the fluids, being pierced with a spear from whence flowed out blood and water sprung, after which it is impossible that he should be alive. And from the testimony of the centurion who watched him, to whom Pilate sent to know if he was dead, how long he had been dead, and from his being buried and lying in the grave so long as he did. And yet after that confirmation of death, the Bible said he showed himself alive. Hallelujah. How many glad you got a living Savior today? That means something. I want you to hold on to that thought. Jesus is alive now. You may be in chains. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. Amen. Hallelujah. If you've got, if you need freedom and saving, he's a prison shaking Savior. Can you say amen? If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. He can loose you. He can set you free. He's alive. And from the testimony of the centurion who watched him and, and, and Pilate wanted to know how long he was alive, he, ra- he showed himself alive. He raised himself from the dead and hereby declared himself to be the son of God with power which cannot be said of anybody else. Can you say amen? There were others that were alive after death but not by their own power. Jairus' daughter, Jesus raised her from the dead. Can you say amen? Lazarus, Jesus raised him from the dead. Amen. The widow of Nain's son, Jesus raised him from the dead. Glory to God. Amen. And these did not show themselves alive as Christ did when he appeared to the apostles. For after that he appeared, he showed himself to Mary Magdalene. He showed himself to to the other Marys, to the other women, to two disciples going to Emmaus, then to 10 of them in the upper room, Thomas being absent and Judas being hanged. Can you say amen? And then, he, uh, then later he came back again and convinced Thomas of the truth of the resurrection. He, uh, he appeared to him again on the Sea of Tiberias. And when he said, children, do you have any meat? And he told him to cast their net on the right side of the boat. And Peter said, it is the Lord. Hallelujah. And they began to recognize that he was alive. Hallelujah. And uh, Paul would say, as I mentioned, uh, amen, he said, I was, he was seen by me as one born out of due season. Now, I rejoice in the fact of the power of a living Christ. I want to tell you that for 43 years, amen, I've been serving a living Christ. I was dead in trespasses and sins, and he came to me. 
He came to me in my sin. He came to me in my ungodliness. He came to me, amen, in my spiritual dead condition. And he saved me. Can anybody hear me? He washed me clean, Annette, by the power of the living Holy Spirit. He came in and did what we call regeneration. I could say I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. I could go on for 40 years, 43 years. I remember years ago hearing Gene Rice, the great preacher, preaching in a camp meeting. And Gene said, if this is where I started, and this is where I'm going when I get to heaven, and this is where I am now. He said, I want to tell you from the time he met me there, he came back again and again and again and again. Can I tell you, there's been times he found me when I was about to give up and he showed himself alive to me again. Come on, somebody. And I tell you, there's been times when I didn't have any hope, when I couldn't solve the problem, when it seemed like that, that sin was taking hold of me again, and when I had no way out, all of a sudden he showed himself alive to me again. I want to tell you, that first 40 days and these 40 years, I can shout it. He's alive, glory to God. And he's still saving and helping us. Give him praise if you would. Hallelujah. John's gospel and, and Luke and John's gospel declared that he showed himself alive the same day. But then we find here for 40 days, he keeps coming back. I would like to stress this, that the reason Jesus keeps coming back, the reason he keeps healing people, one man told me one time years ago, he said, preacher, you're wrong. So what do you mean I'm wrong? He said, you preach healing. He said, you, you, you believers, you take that oil and you put it on people and you anoint them. You call it and you pray for them and you claim healings. And he said, that's all of the devil. And he kept saying some other things to the devil and I finally backed up away from him because I thought he's of the devil and lightning might strike him about any moment. I don't want to be too close. And... Uh, he said, all of that's of the devil. Then he said this. He said, Jesus does not heal anymore. I looked at him. I said, you're right. He doesn't heal anymore. He just doesn't heal any less. Glory to God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why is that important to you? Because he wants you to know he still has power. <laughs> Whoa. He still has power to save. He still has power to deliver. He can bring you out of bondage, out of darkness, into the glorious light of his resurrection power. He's alive again. Amen. I dare you to touch somebody and say, oh my goodness, he is alive. Hallelujah. He is alive. Let me go on. 40 days between the ascension and the outpouring that I really think changed everything. In verses four through eight of Acts chapter one, Jesus prophesies, now boys, I'm gonna leave you again, but you wait and tarry in Jerusalem, he said in Luke 24, because I'm gonna pour out the Holy Spirit. Remember what Joel said and Peter repeated on the day of Pentecost, he said, this is that which was spoken of God, it'll come to pass in the last days, I will pour out my Holy Spirit. I'm, I want you to get this. They were singing that this morning, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit. Can I tell you that salvation was birthed in the heart of the Father? Amen, it was propitiated by the death of the Son, but it's affected today in its efficacy, its power is in the administration of the Holy Spirit who still comes to save. 
receive. Oh, glory. I want you to know something. There's no power greater than the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One time I walked into a house and a young man had been out in the backyard and I didn't know it. He dug a hole in the ground. He had his head down in a hole in the ground and he'd been praying to the devil. He was caught up in Satanism. And I'd went to visit the boy's grandmother and when, and when he came in the house, his hair was all messed up and he had a big cigarette in his mouth and he looked at me with disdain and he held up his hand and he had a pentagram drawn in his hand. And he said, do you know what that means? I said, I do. He said, what do you think it means? I said, it means you're stupid, boy. You're just stupid. He said, I've got power. He said, I've got power with the devil. I, tell you, I just said all that to tell you this. You may have been caught up in the occult. You may have played with a Ouija board. You may have been to a fortune teller. You may have got caught up in some demonic thing. But I've come to tell you that there's a Jesus that's still alive. Hallelujah. He can set you free. He can deliver you. You may be in Africa under the control of a witch doctor. But in the name of Jesus, you can be loose. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. And boy said, I got power. The Holy Ghost hit me and I jumped up off that couch and said, let me show you power. And he tore the screen door off running out of the house. I was in Zambia, Africa, preaching to 8,000 one night, and the witch doctors were behind the crowd, and they were building fires and trying to throw powders in and make them explode. And they told me, they said, these witch doctors have put hexes on people. They've made preachers sick, and they died. But I had about 300 at home covering me with prayer, and I was full of the Holy Ghost and fire. And later, those pastors told me, they said every time they tried to build a fire, it would go out. Hallelujah. Whoa, you're not hearing me. They were professional fire builders. They were professional deceivers. They were witch doctors. And a little woman came up that had been possessed with a devil ever since she was 12 years old because a witch doctor cut her and chanted over her and healed her from a sickness, but she got possessed and God delivered her and set her free. I, I don't know why I'm saying this. I'm telling you 40 days changed everything and ever since that day this gospel has been preached around the world and people have been saved in Every generation. Woo! Why don't you just go ahead and clap your hands and shout like you really believe it? I want to deal with three things that happened during that 40 days. First of all, the Bible teaches that in Luke chapter 24, that Jesus. There were two men on the road to Emmaus, two of the apostles, two disciples, two followers. And they were discouraged and brokenhearted and down. They, they just, their countenance was falling. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks up. He's alive now. And he says, why are you so troubled? And they thought, they said, are you a stranger? Don't you know what's going on? It's about Jesus of Nazareth. They said, we thought he was the Messiah. We thought he would deliver Israel. But now they've killed him. And, and our hope is lost. And Jesus began to talk to them and said, wait a minute, don't you remember what he told you? 
Amen. How it was written in the law of Moses and in the word of God and by the prophets that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be delivered into the hands of ungodly men and be crucified and buried, but he would get up on the third day. Hallelujah. He's telling them that. Woo, Shonda Bohotai, but they still don't know who he is. And all of a sudden, they, they, there's an inn and they're going in to get something to eat. He looks as if he's going to walk on. They said, please, come sit with us. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks in. And I'm talking about during the 40 days. Are you hearing me? And the Bible said when they sat down to eat that he does what he had done before. He takes bread. I'm feeling something on me right now. And he blesses it and he breaks it and he gives it to them. He did that at the Last Supper. Somebody help me. He did that when they had 5,000 to feed with the little boys at lunch. He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. And then all of a sudden when he did it at this time, the Bible said their eyes were opened and they knew him. And then he vanished, can you say amen? Hallelujah. And uh, all of a sudden, amen, they, they were made to realize it's him. I want to tell you something today. The power of the resurrection is still working today. I want to tell you, you can ask anything in the name of Jesus by faith, believing he's at the right hand of the Father and whatever you need, no matter what you carried in here this morning, no matter what you're loaded down with this morning, Dylan, I wish we had that sign. This is the place to take the chains off because Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Emmaus. Emmaus conquered despair. They were so filled with despair. And uh, the Bible says in, in chapter 24, verse 34, amen, it said they came and found the 11 together. And then in verse 34, it starts saying that the Lord is risen indeed and he's appeared to Simon. And then they told him about meeting Jesus on the road to, to Emmaus and the things that were done in the way and how he was known to them when he broke bread. I want to tell you something. Sometimes we're in despair. Amen. Paul said this. He said, if we have hope in this life only in Christ, amen, in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, we're of all men most miserable. And, and so, I don't know about you, but so many times I've, I've went to graveyards and said goodbye to people I thought I couldn't live without. So many times I've gotten a call that shocked me in the middle of the night and somebody that wasn't supposed to die did. Amen, whether it was drugs, whether it was an accident, whether whatever it was, they just died suddenly. And, and despair has a way of latching hold. You've, you feel hopeless. Can I go a little farther? Sometimes things are worse than death. Some of you suffered divorce and you didn't want it. And you, and you, and you feel like it's, it's destroyed you. It's hurt you. Some of you, your heart's been broken and you feel like you're in despair a living Jesus conquers despair. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant or unknowing concerning them which are dead, those who are asleep, that you sorrow not. He's not saying it's wrong to grieve. Grieve is normal, but don't be in despair. Amen, that you sorrow not as others which have no hope. That's what despair is. It means you're hopeless. It means your situation can't change. And can I tell you, there are things young people, mom and dad can't do for you. There are things husbands and wives can't do for you. Wives, there's things that husbands can't do for you. You're gonna face situations that the pastor can't help you with it. But I wanna tell you, you'll never face anything that a living Jesus can't walk right into the middle of and be the answer, be the salvation. 
Woo, come on, be the hope, be the strength. He, amen, he's, he's got all power, hallelujah. And nothing is impossible with him. Let me go on. If we believe that, uh, hey, Paul said, I won't, don't want you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep that you saw not that others that have no hope because if we can just believe Jesus died and rose again. How many believe that today? If we can believe that, then them which sleep in Jesus, God's gonna bring with You know what Paul's saying? My theme last week was, was defeating death. He's saying death is still defeated. Can I tell you, if you can defeat death, everything else is a cakewalk. You'd make it through anything if you can defeat death. Come on, somebody help me. For 43 years of pastoring, I've been in homes and nursing homes and the hospice center. I've been in hospitals with countless people that have died. I'm going to venture to say hundreds. And I've watched men and women who've never died before facing death, which is the unknown. I mean, right when you're healthy and strong, the, the, the thought of death brings fear to you. Does anybody know what I'm saying? But I've watched them look death in the face and with a smile on their face receive Jesus and just go right on into glory. There's something about a risen Savior. He can overshadow even death. Hallelujah. Give him praise, amen. So Emmaus conquered despair. Then Jesus appears in the upper room. If you're not careful, you'll miss this. Luke 24, 36. As they were there talking, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. Amen. One of the gospels says the door being shut. <laughs> he walked right through the wall. Glory to God. He's in a glorified body. He don't have to open the door. It's going to be like that when we get to heaven too, when we get glorified. I'll preach on that later. But he stands in the midst of them and says to them, peace be to you. Look at verse 37. They were terrified. Affrighted is an old English word. Let me translate. They were scared silly. They were terrified and scared. They thought it's a spirit. Jesus said, why are you troubled? Why do these thoughts arise in your heart? Then he said, Behold my hands, my feet, that it is I, it's me. Glory. The greatest moments of my Christian life have been when I've been facing all that hell could throw at me and I could hear Jesus saying, it's me. I'm right here. You're okay. You've got nothing to worry about. Don't be afraid. Hallelujah. He conquered fear in that upper room. He said, it's by myself. Handle me. See, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. Amen. I want to tell you that God wants us to know Amen. It doesn't have flesh and bones like you see me have. Jesus wants you to know I am alive. I've got power. So do you. In my name, you can have victory. I want to say this. To walk away from Jesus, amen, is to walk outside of grace and favor. Joe was teaching over there this morning about how when Adam and Eve sinned and Cain and Abel had to be exiled out of the garden. I heard a little story about that one time. It said one day they were walking by and there was an angel standing there with a flaming sword protecting the tree of life. And one of the boys looked at him and said, Daddy, said, what's that? He said, that's a place where your mama ate us out of house and home. <laughs> but Daddy did it too. Can you say amen? The point was they were exiled out of paradise. The point was the earth was cursed. The point was now they had to earn their living by the sweat of their brow. The point was rebellion began to spurn murder and, and, and wickedness began to take over the world. My whole point is this, what they lost, Jesus came to restore. It's all because he showed himself alive in those first 40 days. I'm gonna hurry. So all of a sudden, Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, that you sorrow not, 
In other words, it's all right to grieve, but don't be in despair as those that have no hope because we believe Jesus rose from the dead. The third thing I want to see is this. Jesus in the upper room, amen, he conquers fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. That's what Paul said, 2 Timothy 1 and 7. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Say that with me. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power. You know, the Bible said fear has torment. It does. But God's given me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Power, Jesus told the disciples, tarry in Jerusalem, you'll be endued upon or clothed with power. The body of Christ has power. The garment of the body of Christ is power. That means authority. It's exousia in the Greek. Another word is dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. So the church is clothed with authority to blow up the devil. Can you say amen? And blow up the messes in your life. Let me go on. Then he said also with, a, uh, with love. We have love for God. We have love for Christ. Love for the church. We have love for the world. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Being fired up with this kind of love, I want to tell you we're not easily intimidated by the adversary. I don't give up because of what the devil's doing to people. I don't quit because of the attacks of the enemy. I love Jesus too much to quit. Can I say this? I love you too much to quit. I love you too much to give up on you. That's why these people work and labor and start classes and do ministries and reach out and they come up with ideas every way they can to try to get the attention of that person out there that's in the world. Amen. When Jesus walked into the synagogue, he wasn't worried about the scribes and the Pharisees and the hypocrites that was trying to find fault with him and criticize him, but he walked into that room. There was a man with a withered hand, and that's the one Jesus came after. He said, stretch forth your hand. How many knows what happened? He got healed. Hallelujah. When he saw the blind, he opened their eyes. When he saw lepers, he said, go show yourself to the priest. That's the heart of the church, hallelujah, is to deliver people. He gave us, amen, those wonderful gifts of power and of love and a sound mind. Our minds have been renewed in the principles of the doctrine of Christ. I do not judge the world through the lens of political correctness. I do not judge the world through the lens of liberal or conservatism. I look at the world through the eyes of a compassionate Savior and say, this gospel is for you. It's for you. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, he said. He didn't say all of you except for this group or that group. He said all of you. Come unto me, all of you that are in sin. All of you that need saving. All of you that have messed up. All of you that have gone wrong. All of you that have made mistakes. Dear God, that includes every one of us. Come to me. Give him praise, would you? I will give you rest. And then Jesus appears the, the second. I, I want to say this about love, a sound mind. We love Jesus. People think we're crazy. We love him because he loved us first. I mean, some of you fell in love with people your mom and daddy thought you was crazy. Is this on? I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> but mom and daddy, you don't understand. No, baby, you the one don't understand. <laughs> I love Jesus. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm happy. You know why? Because he loved me first. 
And that settled the questions of I have a sound mind. Amen. Let me go on. Then he appears the second time. And I'm, I'm, I'm about to finish. I'm about to land this plane. He appears the second time to them in the upper room. And I told you Thomas was absent the first time. Can I just focus on Thomas for a moment? We all call him what? Doubting Thomas. There you go. I'm going to change your mind about Thomas before we get out of here. I'm going to tell you about Thomas. Thomas was really devoted to Christ. In John chapter 11, Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick. He's, you know, he's, uh, he's, they say, Lord, you need to come. We want you to heal him. And then Jesus keeps, you know, kind of tarries, and he waits till the fourth day to get there. And uh, when Jesus tells them, the disciples, he says, uh, Lazarus is asleep. And one of them said, well, he's doing good if he's sleeping, he's resting. But listen to what Jesus said in John eleven fourteen. Jesus tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I love this, and I'm glad. I, mean, I know I, I'm going to read the rest of it, but just think about that. Jesus says, he's dead, and I'm glad. I'm glad for your sake that I was not there to heal him to the intent that you may believe. In other words, sometimes we wonder why God doesn't move the way we want him to move. And God say, if you just let me have this, I'll show you what a real resurrected Savior can do. Amen. And so, but nevertheless, let's go to him. And then Thomas, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, watch this. Let us also go that we may die with him. Now, study this. Study that. It doesn't mean die with Lazarus. It means die with Jesus. Because they believed if they went back to that area, they had told him, if you come back here, we're going to kill you. And so Thomas was so committed, I'm going with Jesus. If they kill me, they kill me. Remember what Peter said? I'll never forsake you, Lord. I'll go with you all the way, even to death. And, 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 and Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Do you understand what I'm saying? Their, 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 their flesh, their spirit was willing, but their flesh was weak. They meant well. And Thomas was, he was committed to Christ as much as Peter was. Now, Thomas and the rest of the disciples imagined that Christ returning to Judea would lose his life, so he said, let's just die with him. Now, Thomas had real difficulty in grasping what Jesus said. I do too sometimes. I mean, when the Lord called me to preach, I said, say what? Me? How many of y'all remember me before I can say, you know what I'm talking about? And, and Thomas had real difficulty. Remember in John 14, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, many mansions. Go and prepare a place for you. Where I am, there you may be also. And in verse number five, Thomas said, Jesus said, where I go, you know the way you know. In verse number five, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How? Can we know the way? Thomas seemed to have no other notion that Christ was talking about anything other than some particular place in Judea where they'd be safe. He still had that in his mind. Amen. And, 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 and Jesus knew the way to get there. What Jesus was really talking about was, was, was the fact, I'm going to prepare the way to heaven. And when he said, I don't know the way, Jesus said to him, I am the way. I'm going to tell you all something. There's only one way to heaven. And I'm sorry if that offends all the Eastern religions of the world and the occults that have sprung up. 
I don't mean to be offensive, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, no man comes to the Father but by me. Well, does he have authority to say that? Yes, sir, because he got up from the grave. He defeated it, and for 40 days, he showed him infallible proof. When Muhammad gets up, I might give him a thought. They're building this thing up here on the side of the road, and they've got 100 million gods, and not a one of them ever got up from the grave. Only Jesus, can you say amen? I don't mean to be unkind, but he's, he's the only hope you got. I mean, if I had the cure for a cancer and wanted to sell you a bottle of aspirins, what kind of person would I be? Hello. I'm, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. So Thomas, all of a sudden, he, he needs understanding. And Thomas was absent when they first appeared to the disciples and begin to doubt the reality of resurrection. And when they told him we've seen the Lord, he said, I won't believe it till I see the piercings. I won't, I won't believe it, amen, until I put my, see him in his feet and thrust my hand, he said, into his side. He said, until I do that, and there in that verse, he said, I will not believe. I will not believe. But after eight days, again, somebody say again, there it is, again. You're, you're, you're to shout every time you hear the word again after today. He came to me again. He showed me again. He touched me again. He, oh, praise God. After eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas is with them. Jesus comes, the door's being shut, stands in the midst of them. They're not scared anymore. He says, peace be to you. Then he says, Thomas, reach hither your finger and hold my hands. Reach hither your hand, thrust it in my side. Don't be faithless. Amen. This second visitation of the upper room established faith. Don't be faithless. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. What a, what a confession. Jesus said, Thomas, because you believe, you see me, you believe, and there's others that have not believed and, or have not seen, and yet they believe more blessed are they. Can I tell you about Thomas? You know that tradition, Jewish tradition, early church tradition has it. The church fathers said that Thomas was the first apostle to go to India. He carried the gospel to India. And in fact, the church Thomas started in India is still the major thriving Christian organization in India. And they said when they got there and they stopped the ship as far as close as they could and they got into the boats to go in to the land that all of a sudden the tribes of people come running to the shore. And tradition says that Thomas filled with the Holy Ghost jumped out of the boat and ran across the water. I walked and ran on water and started preaching Jesus and hundreds and hundreds got saved when he got there. Faith was established. Isn't this awesome? You might say, I don't know if God could do that with me. Yes, sir. I don't know if God could change my life. Yes, sir. I don't know if God could stop the trouble in my home. Yes, sir. God could stop the addiction. Yes, sir. God could clear up the confusion. Yes, sir. Because he got up. He's got all the answers. He's got power. He's got power. We know the Great Commission. Go into all the world and teach the God, preach the gospel to every creature. Teach them. All things baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Here's the last commission. Verse number four of Acts 1, Jesus said, You tarry, you wait in Jerusalem till you're endued with power. 
I'm going to send you out. Luke 24, 46, he said unto them, Thus it is written, thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Amen. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. There's our job. We've got to tell people about Christ in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Remember I said, Jesus said, boys, it's just not going to be in Israel. It's going to be with all nations, with the whole world. Amen. And, uh, and you're witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father on you, the outpouring, the power of the Holy Spirit. Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high, and you shall receive, verse 8, power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the whole world, the uttermost parts of the earth. Stand with me. He was virgin born. He lived a sinless life. He demonstrated heaven while here on earth. But then he died in shame, our shame. But he arose in victory, our victory. He ascended back to glory, sent back the Holy Spirit. And he's coming back in power. Now you hear this preacher. If you don't receive him and you don't live for him, when he comes going to be like that first Adam in the garden that day. Hiding yourself. Where are you, Adam? I'm hiding. Why are you hiding, Adam? I'm naked. They've been naked ever since the day they was created. Who told you he was naked? Let me translate that. Who revealed the shame of your nakedness? Who revealed the shame of how you're living? Adam said, the woman gave me the fruit. And God asked the woman, she said, the serpent gave it to me. But the man failed. The woman was tempted. Hear this. Paul said the woman was tempted. But Adam fell by transgression. He did it knowing better. Some of you have done the same thing. You've fallen by transgression. Somebody told you it was okay to do what you were doing. But you know better. Because you know who Jesus is. And when he comes back, if you're not saved, you're going to be ashamed. Worse than that, you're going to be left behind. It gets worse. You're going through the tribulation. Worse than that, you're going to hell. But today, the first 40 days he established, he conquered fear. He established faith. He showed them power. And today he's saying to you, there's power through faith in my name. Power to be forgiven of sin. You don't need some little smooth-talking preacher or some, some talking head on TV to try to convince you that sin is okay. You know it ain't okay. You know that if you die or if Jesus comes today, you're lost and you're in trouble. And, and, and preaching is not always trying to make you feel good. Sometimes preaching has to make you feel a need. I need Jesus. Your body, if you... Brother Brian, if you wake up in the morning and something's wrong in your body, that's your body's way. If you get a fever, that's your body's way of letting you know there's something wrong that needs to be fixed. And so the body of Christ has been about trying to win people to Jesus. And not only that, but we, we preach things in the body that sometimes you feel conviction when you're a Christian because God wants you to know there's something wrong in you. And you don't want it to be wrong when He comes. You can get it right now greatest day of my life was the day I said yes to Jesus. 
greatest days of my life have been the days that I came back to him and found a refreshing waiting for me. Don't live in despair or confusion or doubt or fear. Come today. Come unto me, all of you that labor. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke's easy. My burden's light. I'm meek and lowly. That's the things Jesus said. That's the message of the church. Our message is not to condemn you, but to bring you to a place of deliverance. Freedom. Freedom. Hallelujah. There are people standing in this room that had 30-year drug habits that are free. Come on, somebody. There are people in this room that have been guilty of everything you can imagine, and they're free today. What about you? Are you free? Become. And said our hearts on you. We hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.